Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Ziv Pellet, Chief Customer Officer at AppsFlyer. In today's episode, we discussed how Ziv built AppsFlyer's customer success team from scratch, how he set the key metrics, and how the team evolved to generate over $100 million in expansion revenue in the last 20 months for the company. Ziv also shared the three main things he looked for when hiring a new customer success manager at the start, why annual recurring revenue churn is the most critical metric for a customer success team, and his future plans to prevent customer champion churn. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Zev, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you today. For listeners, uh, Ziv is the Chief Customer Officer at AppsFlyer. AppsFlyer is the global leader in mobile attribution and marketing analytics. We recently announced they received a massive $210 million Series D investment. Ziv has experienced the rapid growth of AppsFlyer over the last six and a half years, where he started out as a Senior Customer Success Manager. So my first question for you, Ziv, is as the Chief Customer Officer at AppsFlyer, what are you accountable for and where do you focus your time? Thank you. That's a great question. So our main goal, so customer success managers in AppsFlyer are doing anything that is related to customers from pre-sales until a customer, God forbid, churns. And we emphasize on two main things. One is delivering value. And the second one is building long-term relationships. Okay. And talk me through the pre-sales concept a little bit. So customer success starts working with a customer before the sales team starts working with them? No. So when we started very early on, we believed that customer success should be one role. And and back back in the day when we started, we, we believed that customers should only know two main people in our organization. It's the sales manager, the sales director, and the customer success manager. And of course, when we started also, the, the deals were with uh, smaller customers, but when we grew and we went to more enterprise customers, so we, today we have uh, strategic customer success managers and solution architects that works with customers, with prospects earlier, uh, supporting the, the sales manager. But then after the deal uh, uh, is won, then of course they onboard the customers 
and uh, they work with the customers for three to six more months, and only then they end over. So I think that the, the, the main goals here uh, were, one, to, for the customer to know uh, only two main people in AppStar, and the second one, to avoid endovers. Yeah, and uh, how are you avoiding handovers? Sure. So again, like when, when the solution architect or the strategic CSM start to work with the prospects, it's very early on. They understand the maybe special requirements of uh, that customer. Most of our customers are using a generic solution, but some specific customers may have some uh, very specific uh, uh, needs. And then it's much, much easier for those solution architects to start developing relationships and understand the requirements uh, very early on. And then, of course, onboard these customers uh, to the best, best uh, successful onboarding ever. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, and then just going back as well a little bit. So we said like you've been now with Apps Fly for six and a half years. I think just before the call, you mentioned to me that uh, you were a higher number seven and the first from the customer success team. Is that correct? Correct. So maybe you want to explain to us a little bit about the progression and how things have changed up in customer success at Apps Fly. So maybe you can start off like, what was it like in those first six to 12 months uh, coming into customer success and starting to set up uh, what was the focus? What were you working on? And what did the team look like? Uh, that, so it was very unique. We, were, we started as two customer success managers and we did both support and customer success. But and we, again, without even understanding, in the first two years, we didn't uh, even uh, uh, hire a sales team and we had a great inbound demand for our solution. So we were actually inbound sales managers and we, we would just take uh, leads uh, and convert them via uh, and then follow-up calls. They were, it, it was very uh, natural. So customers knew that they need this solution. There were two or three players. They spoke to us. They had a very genuine demo. We listened. I think that one of the major points for our success in the early days that is we really listened to our customers very, very early, early on. And I think the magic happened after that. Like we converted the customer to start using us. And then the same person immediately worked with them as, the CS, as their CSM, knew them from the early days. And then I think that because of our space is that some of those companies grew up very fast and we grew up with them because also again, uh, um, the business model, the pricing, uh, modelier worked for growth and then of course we grew with our customers you grew with them yeah so it sounds like one that you were very busy in the early days obviously uh, handling sort of support success and then inbound sales as well uh, it's interesting sort of that you say that it really works is having that single person single contact uh, starting out more in like a customer success but then doing inbound sales as a result and then having that continuation with the customer what was then the progression like? So it was starting out with two of you, then like what was the next like sort of uh, hurdle that you needed to climb and you realized, okay, we need more people, we need help, we need specialization or focus. Where did you go from there? Yeah, so uh, two months in, my CEO comes to me and he ended the, over the team and asked me to start hiring. I, I asked how many people to hire and he said, uh, just hire. And in, in the beginning, we hired mainly in Israel and we started to hire people with different 
of course, speaking different languages. And then uh, we started uh, uh, our uh, first APAC office in Bangkok and our first uh, US office in, in San Francisco. And it, it, again, it was also very magical. So I was still a customer. Again, I think that hiring the right people, first 10, 15 people in the team were very, very special. Again, I, I think it's things that you can only understand now. We didn't hire people that really understand this, the customer side, the other side. We hired people that are all in, super passionate, a little bit technical. And I think that that what that in addition to what I mentioned before about listening to the customer, I think that really, really helped. That in addition to my CEO asking me to not approve around 60% of the leads in order not to get too much noise into the company. We were a very small company then uh, first year. We grew from uh, seven to 30. <clears throat> I think that that was uh, super, super important for our growth, but also for our focus. Um, yeah. And so you went from seven to 30 in that first year and you said 15 of those were in customer success. Did I get that right? Or was that over a longer horizon? Yeah, 15 maybe a little bit longer. So the, the, the numbers of customer success, again, today is maybe hard to understand. So we are now a team of 148 customer success managers in 13 offices. Wow. In addition to 50 support engineers in nine offices. So crazy. for a company of 930 people, we are uh, 208 people in uh, client services, including knowledge base, analysts, support, and customer success. Well, and that all fits within your team. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So then let's just carry on going along with the trajectory then. So it's been a year, maybe a little bit longer uh, 15 people, like what are they doing in these early days like in customer success? What is their focus? Does anyone have any specialization at this point yet? Or uh, it's still very generic sort of customer success and everybody no doing a bit of everything? No, spe no, no, no speciality. Uh, everyone are doing inbound sales to customer success. Everyone comes in the morning, the, they uh, triage leads. They take ownership on leads. They start with it to engage with them. Of course, most leads doesn't answer. And then you have the percentage that answer you and you go to demos, you convert them and uh, you start to work with those customers. And then again, it's, it was very uh, organic that uh, we grew these customers. Some of these customers just grew by usage and some of those, some of those customers grew a little bit later when we added more and more value into the product. Yeah, and then at this point, you didn't have a sales team, so pretty much all the inbound sales leads were being handled by customer success, is that correct? Correct. Uh, the, 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 the deals that were done by, the, the deals uh, that were enterprise were done by the CEO, the VP of BizDev that, manage the, that manages the partnerships, uh, yeah. but not directly uh, generating sales. It, it was, again, was very early startup days. Everyone are doing everything. And if you need to sell to a very big enterprise, then the, the CEO will do it, of course. 
Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, and then, so like going on then the next step there from there, you were around 15 people. Where did you scale to next? Like what was the comp, what size was the company at? And uh, did you face sort of any hurdles along this growth trajectory from like the 15 that you were to the now 200 over 200 in the customer team? Yeah. So again, we pretty much grew exponentially both company, number of customers, number of customer success managers. And in the very early years, we invested heavily on client services from two to 20, from 20 to 50, 50 to 100. And now we are 148 and the plan is to be around 200, 210 customer success managers by the end of this year. And also, support should be around 70, 75. Wow. So, still growing massively. We, we, one of our main goals is to serve all customers. So, we do, of course, have tiers. We have uh, uh, tier one customers and we have uh, uh, lower tiers, but we want to serve everyone. And we have different techniques. Uh, today, we have a customer engagement team that is handling more of the long tail of customers. But even there, there's a very important emphasis on understanding the customers that needs more investment that we can, of course, grow them later. Yeah. Uh, and, and through this journey, then you've done like, a, obviously, what are some of the main things that you're looking for in a candidate when you for customer success at the different phases? Let's say like somebody you were looking for in the first year versus somebody you're looking for today. What are the strengths uh, that you're looking for in these candidates? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, in my presentations, I touch what are the three main things that I look for in a customer success manager. So six years ago, I would look for someone that is really passionate, passionate about everything, someone that is all in, and also 10, 15% technical abilities to understand what is, what is like to integrate an SDK, how can they help developers with those integrations. Today, I'm looking first and foremost for people that are really great in building and maintaining relationships. I think that the, one of the most important funda- fundamentals for customer success is relationships. And we can speak about, well, I'll speak about it a lot later. Second thing, I'm still looking for people that are super passionate about helping customers. And the customer is both the company that you work for and the champion that you work for. And I'm looking for people that really, every day, they want to help. They want to understand the KPI of their customer. They want to understand the motivational uh, uh, future of their champions, and they want to help them. And the third one today, I'm not looking for people that are super technical. I'm looking for people that are strategical in their mindset, that they understand the place uh, of AppSphere in the marketing stack of our customers. And they also see the future and where AppSphere will be in 12, 24, 36 months. And they are able to articulate that to customers. So customers, of course, in a, a, a term from Salesforce, customer for life, I want all my customers, we can help them. Very interesting. And then... Are these these candidates, are you looking for like a specific industry experience or uh, somebody who's worked in software before? 
or uh, similar, I think I think it was Drift, Julie Hogan episode that we uh, looked into it where they're actually looking for references and sources from outside of their industry. So uh, as you mentioned, like somebody who's a really good connector, I think in their case, they're looking for service and they were looking to the hotel industry, for example, trying to see if they can learn things from different industries to bring back to service their customers better. Is this something that you've looked at at AppsFly? Is it something when you look at sort of the diversity of the candidates and where they're coming from? Yeah, so in, in the earlier days, of course, uh, we hired everyone from any industry and again, was successful, super successful. I, 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 and I, I can give even an example, someone Israeli but came back from China and he worked in China in the printing industry, hired him to be the first leader of CS in Israel, but with the China market, and it was a, a huge success. Today, of course, we are hiring people that are more around marketing, maybe they've been an advertiser, maybe they worked in a publisher, maybe they worked in an agency, uh, maybe not in the first ring of, of advertising, but maybe in the second ring with mobile experience, no mobile experience. Again, we, we interview everyone. And, and one of the things that I really like to do, like 25% of my time for hiring, I will do opportunistic interviews, just meet people in any level. Uh, individual contribute level, mid-level, even, of course, executive level, and just to make start relationships with people that might work for me in six months, maybe maybe a year. Yes. But definite, definitely, I can say that today we are hiring people that are closer to the industry. Closer to the industry. Okay. And then let's bring it back a little bit now into the context of the show and the churn and retention. How closely are you looking at churn and retention as a customer team? And uh, what are some of the focus areas for you when it comes to it? So we, we look at lots of metrics and uh, one of the things that I said a lot before 2018 is that I don't care about KPIs and I, don't, I didn't, I didn't uh, set any goal for the team until 2018. I, I think that it was much, much more important to emphasize uh, and focus on the onboarding of the team members and the onboarding of the customers and, and, and our massive growth. Uh, in 2018, I started to look at a little bit metrics uh, that of course I measured before, but it wasn't the goal. And, and of course we looked at churn, we looked at onboarding time, we looked at the time to value, we looked at many, many things. And then uh, some people, you know, pushed me to look at retention or churn as a, a main goal. And I didn't, I didn't believe that that should be the metric or the KPI. And I, I continued look, looking for, for more things. And then I saw that one of the most important things that we are already doing back then in 2018 is that we are, in, we are of course, we, we manage the main relationship with the customer. We know them very, very good. We know what they need. And we are the main component to grow them. So I came up with the um, upsell indication. And we started measuring that with no goal since May 2018. And in the beginning of 2019, I set it the KPI. And immediately I also added another uh, brother KPI to that is the feature adoption indication. So for us, a customer success manager that goes to a customer now to, for a quarterly business review, and uh, they speak to them and they show them uh, three new features. 
And one of the features is really interesting and the customer is speaking about that feature and is really interested about that. So the customer success manager, when they go back to the office, then they will go to Salesforce and they will open an upsell indication if it was a premium feature or a feature adoption indication if it was a non-premium feature. And today the goal is to open four indications every month. And as I said, we are measuring the upsell indication since, the, since May 2018. We drove over 1,400 closed one upsell and expansions that uh, it, uh, generated over $100 million. Wow, that's amazing. But, 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 but if you think about that, the, the main valuer is actually the, I call it a, a valuable engagement. So in order to get to uh, around 3,500 valuable engagements, those, those are the number of intents that we opened until today, we had to go and speak with so many customers for tens of, of thousands of, of times. And in the end, we got into 3,500 valuable engagement. And I think that's the main goal. The second thing that I, I must emphasize here is that with the feature adoption, the indication for non-premium features, we are now around 46% conversion rate. It means that, again, the CSM must understand uh, that they, they need to find the right value for the customer. They cannot just go and pitch any things and then open feature adoptions for customers. But if a, a good CSM today is opening two feature adoption indications, most likely that one will be adopted. And for stickiness, for retention, for the sake of churn, for the sake of fighting churn, this is the best thing that you can do for your customers. Focus on upsell and feature adoption indications. Make sure that you have enough product features to, uh, to push as much value. And then not only that you will get less churn, you will also grow your company. Yeah, I agree like, sort of with the sentiment uh, with what you're saying now as well, in the sense that uh, churn is an output metric and what you've really been focusing on is the inputs. So if we think about like uh, net MRR retention with your efforts and focus on expansion, I'm pretty sure you're probably net negative uh, churn. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And then the same thing as well, like with inputs, I think what you're talking to feature adoption is one thing. I think in, in different uh, companies and different tools, uh, there might be like the ability to transition them into different use cases or to get different team members in, but really having that core focus on what are the main inputs that are driving your attention, uh, I think is an excellent way. And I think also it, it's one of these things that troubled me a bit when I hear like organizations say that customer success owns retention because it's a metric that's influenced by so many different departments and so many different aspects. But what you've done, uh, what it sounds like AppsFly has really taken two main things that you have control over as a team, as a customer success team, and got the team to focus uh, behind those and then drive those numbers, which ultimately you know is going to impact churn and retention. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, and maybe something that I can add here is that I speak to many, many companies and I see companies that, you know, they push the, the goal for customer success is the growth, but they also, they give them the, the quota. And if you, if you think about the book of business of a customer success manager, in average managing, let's say 30 accounts, and then when they go and meet one of those, one of those customers and they try to upsell them, of course, for a premium feature because they want to generate more revenue, then that customer says that they don't have budget for the next six months. So of course, the 
uh, immediate thing is that that customer is getting a much lower priority for that CSM. So the, the CSM is not focused on their entire portfolio. For us and, and the metric and the goal and the, the, that we uh, set is that that customer success manager doesn't care that that customer doesn't have budgets. They will go and push them to use one of our 25 non, non-premium features, which if you think about that, that customer six months, 12 months later, they can you know, raise $50 million and then I'm, I'm can make, I, I, can, I can promise you that they will remember that CSM that was pushing them on value all the time and actually that's uh, raising the, the trusted advisor in them and then of course develop the relationship. Yeah, I think this is also one of those sort of challenges with customer success a lot of the times is a lot of people want to see what's the ROI and how do we measure it and how can we ensure that it's sort of paying for itself. But when you say like some of these things have longer term horizons and it might not even be that this company raises the 50 million, maybe this person leaves the company, joins another company and remembers AppsFlyer for it. So absolutely, um, this, is, this is absolutely one of our growth arms. People that are joining new companies and uh, they are our best advocates and they want AppSlayer and uh, they want same service, same platform. So again, it's not only by service, it's not only by customer success. You have to have a great product, you have a great, to have a great investment in product and innovation. But again, I can take some of the credit. Yeah. And then was there any point in like the last six and a half years where the company was a little bit concerned with churn and retention if yes, like what were some of the conversations that were happening within the company? What were some of the organizational changes that were happening to try and combat it? Yeah, again, I think because of many aspects. So we are a mission critical product. So our customers must use our product every day. I think that's a, that's a crucial point for why customer success is so important in AppStar and why it's so successful. And, and I think that that aspect with many different other aspects and our, our great success is leading that we, are, we, we don't have a lot of churn. So our, our churn throughout the years was very low, uh, below 5% ARR. Yeah, okay. So it, it was never any sort of a thing that raised alarms internally that said, okay, we need to sort of start focusing on this now and see what we can do. No, no, no it wasn't. And, and I think also it's, it's important. So... When, co- when a company grows fast and, and massively and, and also serves many different, the different segments of customers, I think that it's, it's also very important to look at mostly ARR churn and not looking at the logo churn or number of customers where it's maybe important in product, but much less important in customer success. For customer success, ARR churn, for me, that's the main metric. And it's also very important. And, uh, you know, I have a, a, an ops team of eight people and I always emphasize to them is that I, I don't want to see churn by itself as a metric. I must see it as a voluntary and non-voluntary and involuntary. I want to see the reason. And I want to, again, it's not that I'm not looking at what is related to pricing or product or any other thing, but I want to exactly know that. And then, you know, there's specific things that are related uh, to pricing and you need to uh, fo- focus on that and see if you can resolve that. Specific things for product. And then there's things that we need to understand. Uh, did we handle that 
good enough? Was it a ser bad service? Didn't we generate, didn't we build the right relationship, etc.? Yeah, makes sense. And then, so you're really trying to segment it to understand what's within your control to change or where perhaps you, you made a mistake and then really ignoring the rest of the noise, uh, so to say, which is out of your control, like uh, involuntary churn and uh, aspects that you can't really influence as a customer success team. So, exactly. so then as well, like you mentioned, another thing I think is interesting uh, in the context of churn and retention and something we haven't really touched on much in the podcast, but is this concept of being sort of mission critical. You mentioned that apps fly is a mission critical tool that your customers really need to be looking at it every day uh, or else sort of like uh, there's definitely something wrong with that customer. I think this is something that's often overlooked as well. When you look at the type of tool that you're building and this type of product, and really when you can build a product that becomes like part of the daily workflow, part of like the mission critical aspect, part of the infrastructure, it becomes really, really hard for customers to pull out and to remove. In your experience at Apps Flyer, like with this in mind, what has been sort of like that point or of one of the bigger areas of churn that was within your control to change was nothing to do with sort of like the aspect of the mission critical of the company going under or things like that? Yeah, so again, like the mission critical, I think that it's mostly making the work of the system, as I said, much more important, but also it makes our lives much easier. So think about the product that the customer needs to use only once a month, that maybe something that is solving something for salaries. And then I think that the work of the system will be much, much harder. But for, for, for your question, I think that some of the churn that we saw and it was very complex and it was on us, but it was very complex. Is, and I'm uh, going to touch it a lot this year in, in, in discussions is that when we handled the big customers, when we had relationships with many, many people, and we didn't really fully understood who is the decision maker, uh, who is influencing uh, the decision, and, and also, I think that uh, one of the biggest problems in B2B SaaS is that the satisfaction. I don't, I don't think that there's, there's um, a, a, a really good solution to understand satisfaction of customers. So there are tools for NPS and CSAT, but then you only understand, you only understand uh, <clears throat> the uh, status of the customers that answered. You don't understand the status of, of, of customers that didn't answer it. If you work with 20 people in a big customer and only three answered and they are not the influencers or decision makers and they actually are uh, your biggest promoters, you actually, you won't know you have a problem. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what are you doing then to try and sort this out this year? Like what are some of the things that you're thinking about doing and how are you keeping track of these champions within the companies? Yeah. So our next uh, big thing that we are releasing internally, we are uh, developing currently in Salesforce a new object that is going to manage everything that is related to the relationship. And when I'm saying relationship, I mean, uh, think about a, a very big customer of AppsFlyer. If you go to the contact object in Salesforce, you'll see around 200 contacts and it's uh, lots of noise. It's not clean. Some of those people are not in the company. Some of those people are not relevant. So what we are going to build in that new object in Salesforce that we call relationship, 
we're actually going to set the most important, I call it significant relationships of the account and who is owning that. And also for the customer managers to say, what is the strength of that relationship from one to five? And how well do they know that person on a personal level from one to five? And then, then from a, a very big view, then I can go to an account and I see that we have four relationships, two of the CSM to, to two champions, one from the team leader to uh, a decision maker and one executive to executive. And I really, again, like it's a new framework, we're just starting it, but I, I believe that a lot of what we're going, or a lot of what we're already doing today and a lot of, of what we're going to do in the future is going to be uh, uh, all around those relationships. Yeah, that makes uh, sense again. And uh, again, like it's a lot of noise, but really having that understanding and knowing who's the decision maker, who's driving uh, the change of the organization and making sure that you're able to understand and really get close and build relationship with them. Yeah, when was, when was the last time that we touched them? When was the last time that they responded to us? What is their tenure in their, in their company? And, 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 you know, a lot of information that is, will enable us to know, again, think about the customer success manager, again, having 30 accounts, one to two champions in every account, around 60, maybe more significant relationships. What, what is my next engagement? How should I prioritize my next engagement? Who should be the next quarterly business review? Who should I invest in next? Who have you not got feedback from that's a champion? Yeah, no feedback from. Again, like tier one customers, most important customers. And how can I get feedback from them? Should I do it from the system? Should I do it in-app? Should I go and do it by one of the leaders? I'm thinking this year about doing interviews by a third party for the highest tier of our customers at least once a year. Yep, to get a non-biased view as well. Exactly. And and by the way, this will also be limited because, you know, some some percentage of those interviews you will going to you are going to interview someone that you don't know yet, but they are going to leave the company in the next two months, and then that interview, that feedback, that satisfaction is going to be the value of it is going to be limited. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think we talked about this a lot in the, when the customer champion leaves with the average tenure as well, specifically in software companies, like being 18, 24, 36 months at the most, you have a lot of this internal champion churn all the time. So what you're saying, I think like the efforts that you're putting in as well, like they have diminishing returns like over time as well, just due to the fact that these people are going to leave where they're at. Uh, so Ziv, like this uh, one and question. By the way, and by the way, at that point, and by yeah. the way, on that point, the worst thing there is that the new champion that you are getting, in some cases, uh, they are the advocate of the champ- of, of the of your competitor. Competitor, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a, it's a sales opportunity as well when the champion leaves the company. So it's not only that they left the company, but they're also going somewhere else. They were happy with your product solution before. Oh, absolutely. How can you sell into them? So one question I ask everyone that joins the show, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this as well, is let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now that you've decided to join a new company and you arrive at this company and churn and retention is not doing great at all. The CEO has asked you and has tasked you to try and turn things around and is looking to try and get some results in the first 90 days. What would be some of your key activities that you would do within that time to try and turn around and get some results for the company? 
Yeah, I, I think the, the imminent thing that you must do in that, in those 90 days is first understand your product. What are the jobs to be done by your users, the users that are using your product? Go and understand what are the basic desired outcomes that the, that the majority of your customers wants to achieve. Go and make sure if they achieve that, if they achieve that, why are, what are the reasons for, for churn after customers uh, have, uh, of course, got the desired outcomes? And then I think it's, uh, you know, from all that information, I, I can understand maybe the next steps, but I think that the, the main thing you need to understand is uh, jobs to be done, who is using it, are they getting the desired outcomes, and then what's next? Uh, you would spend most of the time really just trying to understand how uh, you can influence what your customers are looking to try and achieve with your product. And then from that, that would drive some of the key actions that you would start working with your success team or with the company to implement and uh, make sure you're adding value and helping your customers. Yeah. And, and you know, it can be, it, it, it can be also many other reasons. I think that the, it depends also if it's 30% uh, churn or, uh, 10% churn that the, that CEO wants to fix. But, you know, it's, if it's 30%, then I will definitely go to this route and understand the, the, if, if we are fulfilling the desired outcomes of those customers. If it's 10%, then you need to go and look for other things. Are sales maximizing the deals? Maybe the churn is just because customers are getting value, but in the end of the year, they realize it's too expensive. Yeah. This analysis is uh, of the data, but I would go with number one uh, to understand the desired outcomes of uh, these customers and making sure that they are really getting those, those desired outcomes. When a company under, understands the main desired outcome from their product, and most of those customers get the, that desired outcomes, most renewals will work even automatically. Yeah. If you're delivering value, companies aren't going to churn. If that value is aligned with the cost, uh, the amount of effort or the amount of money that they pay, uh, you're going to have a customer uh, for life, I guess. So, Ziv, like it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. I really, really appreciate uh, you joining us. Uh, is there any last thoughts you want to leave the audience with in any ways that they can keep up to speed with what you're working at at AppsFlyer? Yeah, I, I think that uh, what I touched, one, is that uh, the focus of customer success should be mainly on value and long-term relationships. I think that uh, customer success managers must not be related to uh, anything commercial for them to be the pure trusted advisors. And I think that maybe, you know, maybe people doesn't, doesn't understand, and it's a sentence that I'm saying for the last couple of months, is that <clears throat> sales is not, 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 not easy, I won't say easy, but it's, it's not so complex because in the end, there's a customer, they're looking for value and it's, it's very straightforward. You are buying value and you are paying, you are, you are paying money for that. That's, uh, that's very transactional and straightforward. Customer success is super complex because it's very long-term and every time that I'm engaging with one of my champions and I want them on a call for one hour, I'm selling them for the most thing in life, which is their time. 
And a customer success manager that does a very good job, they know how to focus on the right value and help their, help their champions achieve good things. A, a, a not so good CSM might waste that one hour of the champion and then it's going to be very hard for them to get the next hour. Yeah, it's really about focusing on that time versus value delivered. So the amount of time you're chewing up for your customers, the amount of value you're delivering and it's critical to get the balance right. Exactly. Love that last thought. Uh, well, Zev, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure having you today and I wish you best of luck now in this next hiring spree and growth spurt that you're going to be going through over the next year. Thank you so much. Thanks. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.